If you would take your Bibles and turn to a, an Old Testament passage, I think it would be good for us to start with this morning, and that would be Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 28, 29. Isaiah 5, 29. It says this, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. We'll be getting into that in just a moment. <clears throat> We're starting, uh, we started actually a series on what is truth. And um, our theme for the new year uh, is the truth is found in Jesus, Ephesians 4.21. Uh, that's so clear to us as believers. Uh, because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And, of course, God's word is the truth. John 17, 17, Jesus said, set them apart or sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. So we're holding in our hands the truth of God. And uh, we decided to go this route for a while together uh, because there's so much lying that goes on in our country today. Uh, it's, it's astounding. Uh, lies that are accepted by um, political leaders. And um, well, what is truth? Let's define it. Truth, uh, according to Scripture, is that which corresponds to reality. Whatever is reality, that's what truth is. And uh, truth is reality. And of course, truth is found in the person of Jesus Christ, the personification of the truth. I remember way back in 1992, the then professor, uh, or rather president of Dallas Seminary, Dr. Campbell, said this before he ever started the, the, uh, the chapel service. He said, our society has abandoned absolutes. How we know that's true today. They say there's no such thing as absolute truth. We're going to talk about that later on. But Dr. Campbell said, but the absolutes are in Scripture, and we specialize in Scripture. And how well that was stated. When it comes to truth, the number one subject that we should handle with regards to truth is the existence of God and the nature of God. Um, God is, uh, has revealed himself very clearly in Scripture, and we are going to be looking at this. And uh, we, again, not only look at the fact that truth is found in God, but truth is found in God's Word, because God supernaturally guided the human writers so that they uh, composed and recorded for us the very words of God and what we have before us in the Scriptures. Now, not too long ago, uh, there was an article in Decision Magazine, and I encourage you to get that magazine uh, from um, the Billy Graham Association. Franklin Graham is the uh, editor-in-chief, of course, of it. And he had an article entitled, When Truth is Labeled Hate Speech. So you can say something that's absolutely true, but there are those in our government today and even political leaders who would say, well, that's hate speech. I'll give you an example. If you were to say, you know, I believe, and we have to be careful how we say these things. If you were to say homosexuality and lesbianism is sin, oh, that's hate speech. Not at all. 
They're totally wrong. If you say that that's um, wrong before God and it's sin, you're actually saying what the Bible says. You see? Leviticus chapter 18. It's very clear. A man shall not lay with another man as he lays with a woman. Is there anything unclear about that? And yet there are those who say, well, the Bible doesn't really say that. Yes, it does. And the sad thing is, uh, there are those who say to those who say that these things are wrong before God. Oh, that you hate them. Listen, we do not hate homosexuals. We do not hate lesbians. We believe that, in fact, that lifestyle is very detrimental to them. And you are helping someone if you encourage them to move away from that lifestyle and to get right before God. Because it clearly says in Scripture, an unrepentant, now please don't get this wrong, an unrepentant homosexual cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now if they repent of it, there's obviously forgiveness. But if there's no repentance, if they look at it as acceptable before God, you look it up yourself, Romans 6, those who commit these things without repentance and forgiveness, and there's forgiveness for all kinds of sins. But if there's a lack of forgiveness, a person with that cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now very quickly, uh, when truth is labeled hate speech, recently social media giant Facebook decided to ban Franklin Graham's personal account on the basis of something that he said two years ago. So watch out what you put on the internet. Even two years ago, try to get it erased. No, just kidding. Um, to their credit, however, they did apologize to Franklin Graham and restored his Facebook account. However, he wrote in support of the North Carolina bill that sought to ensure that public restrooms were available to individuals according to their birth identity, not according to their self-identity gender. In other words, biological males could not frequent and should not frequent a woman's bathroom. Now to us that would be logical. But to multitudes of people more and more all the time who are not interested in the truth of God's word doesn't make sense to them. Facebook at first said that Franklin Graham had violated their hate speech policy. Actually, there was nothing in his article that was hateful. I read it. There was nothing hateful. There was nothing to say that we hate transgendered people. It didn't say that. But you see, they didn't like that position that he held. And so they, and there's going to be more and more of this. If you're lifted off of something, don't be surprised because you may have said something to offend Facebook or other um, social media things. Franklin Graham simply stated that the proposed legislation in North Carolina protected women by banning potential predators from public restroom facilities. The Bible says that an unbelieving and unrepentant world is the objects of God's wrath and I would like for you to turn to Romans 1 with me real quick. This gets us really digging in to the subject of truth and you should be able to leave this morning and say I understand the truth of God 
And I'm for my God. I'm ready to tell others who he is and what he has come to do for us as believers. Romans chapter 1. Notice what it says. Romans chapter 1. And let's go ahead and pick it up at verse 18. For the wrath of God, the anger of God, is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness in men. Now notice why he's angry. Notice this. What gets God angry? Who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. People who hold down the truth. People who don't want you saying the truth. Truth, rather. Uh... Those who say, oh, well, that's hate speech if you tell the truth. We are encouraged in the Bible very clearly to speak the truth in love. That's in the book of Ephesians 4 or 5. Speak the truth carefully, very carefully. But you'll notice that God is angry with those who suppress the truth. There are moral absolutes in the word of God. And this is exactly what has happened on a massive scale in our world and in our country Um, as it moves farther and farther away from God, and there are those who hate righteousness and hate the truth. And this is uh, most easily seen in the two most pressing moral issues of our day, and I'm going to mention them, and I'm not staying with this, but I want you to understand why we need to be those who love the truth. In fact, it says in the book of Thessalonians, it says that the Antichrist deceives multitudes of people When he takes over the world, after we're gone, by the way, in the rapture. Wouldn't it be nice if it would be today? Let the rapture happen before that football game today. (laughs) Amen. Um, (laughs) The Antichrist, you see, is going to be one who um, deceives. He's the deceiver. And the most pressing moral issues of our day, of course, are abortion and homosexuality and uh, we as believers understand many things that are given in the word of God let me just touch on one since the Supreme Court made abortion legal in the United States in Roe v. Wade in 1973 more than 60 million babies have been callously murdered now let me say this You, you need to hear this I've heard it many times now on Christian radio and other places More and more people, even non-Christians, are getting to the place where they understand that the baby in the womb is a human life. And um, Students for Life is a, a growing organization. They go on college campuses and they explain what God says about life. More and more people are moving over to the position where they realize that the baby in the womb is a human life. But 60 million have been callously murdered by physicians who betray their oath to preserve life and who defy God every time they kill a baby in the womb. It's a serious thing. We who know Christ as Savior are responsible before God to share the truth. And it's got to be done carefully. Please remember that I say that. You just can't sit at a table with some people who may not even know Christ and just blurt out the truth of God. 
we pray ahead of time and say, you know, uh, a young adult in this fellowship, it's been a long time now, I can't even remember who it was. We were in the young adults class, and this person said, well, I was sitting at a table with a whole lot of young adults, and someone came out and said, well, I don't see anything wrong with abortion. And this person said, on their own, they said they sent up a quick prayer. Well, the Word of God says that the baby in the womb is a person. Wow, how awesome. Proverbs 31.8 says, Open your mouth for the speechless and the cause of those who are appointed to death. Repeat. Open your mouth for the speechless and the cause of those who are appointed to die. Speak up, in other words, for those who cannot speak for themselves. Very important that we understand the truth of the Word of God. The interesting thing is, there are multitudes of people who do not believe what God has said about himself and his word. I have a book here with me this morning. I think it's an excellent book. Ten Lies About God. Ten Lies About God. And and, and they're sad. I'm going to read some of them to you, what these lies are. Um, The first one is, God is whatever we want him to be. You'll hear somebody say, well, I don't believe my God would send anybody to hell. Wrong God doesn't send people to hell. Yes. They make a choice with regard so they can receive Christ as their Savior and go to heaven, or they can go to eternal separation from God. And people say, well, my God wouldn't do this, and my God... Well, we can't do that. We have to go to the Bible and say, well, now what does the Bible say about God? We're going to do that for a few minutes this morning. Secondly... People say there are many roads into God's presence. There are many religions in the world and there are many roads to God. Wait a minute. Didn't Jesus say, as it's on the wall here, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father in heaven except me? So who's right? The Bible and Jesus Christ or Oprah Winfrey? She constantly says there are many roads to God. That's false teaching. It's not true. Here's another one. God is more tolerant than he used to be. Oh, boy. That's a beauty. I wouldn't bank on that one. Here's another one. God is obligated to save followers in other religions only if they trust Christ as Savior. Jesus said, I am the way. God has not, does not know our decisions before we make them. Boy, that's a tough one. God doesn't know what we're going to decide. Talk to Doke about that, and you want to get a reaction? <laughs> Lies about God. We understand that the Bible tells us that we cannot fully comprehend or understand God. But here's the point, and here's what I want you to come away with in relationship to that. The first truth that we want to understand is the truth about God loves you very much, each of us. And he's proven that love by sending his son, Jesus. It won't be long before we'll be at this table together. And when we come to this table, we'll have the bread where it's symbolic of the body of Christ, and we'll drink the fruit of the vine, which is symbolic of his shed blood for you and for me. God loves us very much and sent Jesus for us. Now, we can't fully understand God 
but we can know God in a personal way. And amongst us who are here this morning, I would pray that every one of you know God in a personal way. That you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. And again, I'm going to repeat it. We cannot fully understand God. The psalmist said in Psalm 145, verse 3, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. We just can't fully comprehend God. But we know that He can be known. And when we trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you see, you can say to someone, I know God, and He knows me. And it's me and God. And, and He's taking care of me. Yes, I go through trials in life. Things come along I don't understand. But I know God, and He knows me. Uh, this is just an awesome truth in the Word of God that we need to uh, remember completely. Uh, Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. I'm going to read it. I love it. Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glories in this, that he understands and he knows me. He understands and he knows me. For I am the Lord who practices steadfast love and justice and righteousness, says the Lord. And I delight in these things. John 17, 3, Jesus said, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Here's, the, uh, here's eternal life. Here's how you know that you have eternal life now. You don't wait for eternal life till you get to heaven. You have eternal life now. Because you know God and you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. So important. So vitally important. We talk to the Lord in prayer. He speaks to us through his word. And you heard not too long ago that the vice president of our country was severely criticized. And they laughed at the fact. Some people did. Laughed at the fact that he said, well, God speaks to me and encourages me to do certain things. That's not a laughable thing. He does speak to us, doesn't he? And we're on the same page. He speaks to us. So again, this personal relationship with the Lord, with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is the greatest blessing that we have in the Christian life. And um, we just need to uh, be able to communicate our relationship with the Lord to so many multitudes of people around us who do not know the Lord. Now, quickly, just for a few moments more, um, truth about God. I think when you, when you would say, um, okay, let's start listing some of the characteristics or the attributes of God, and I like to use the word the perfections of God because God's love is perfect. God's mercy, it's perfect. God's grace, it's perfect. Now, people can be merciful, People can be gracious, but God is perfect in these things. Uh, our God, and I think this goes all the way at the top of the list, is a triune God. God is one being who exists in three co-equal and co-eternal persons. And this statement that I just made is a definition of what the scriptures teach about God. We believe in only one God who exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And these statements are not contradictory. Being and purpose do not mean the same thing. Being refers to the essence of God, 
person refers to the function and relationship of those within the Godhead. Deuteronomy 6.4 says clearly, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. There's one God. New Testament, 1 Corinthians 8.4, There is no other God but one. So someone says to you, You believe in three gods. You can say, No, one God who exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy. Do I fully comprehend that? Can I fully comprehend the triunity of God? Not fully comprehend, but I believe what it says. We just sang together, God in three persons, blessed, Trinity. So there are three distinct persons, and you go into the Word of God, and the Father is called God, 1 Corinthians 8, 6, for there is one God, the Father. The Son is called God. Well, you know this verse real well, John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God. The Word was God. Drop down in John 1 and verse 14 and it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is God. And then, of course, the Holy Spirit is called God in the book of Acts when it was said concerning Ananias that he lied, uh, he lied uh, to the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 5. And then the apostle said, You did not only lie to... Um, the Holy Spirit, you lied to God. God is the, uh, God the Spirit. So when we baptize somebody, and probably many of you or most of you in the room were baptized, you were baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The going down in the water is a picture of your dying to an old life and being raised to a new life. And um, you're baptized, you see, in the name of the three persons of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. By the way, all the way back in Genesis chapter 1, the creation of man, remember God said, let us make man in our image and our likeness. Why did he say let us? Because the three persons of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we have an awesome God. Quickly, uh, he is um, awesome in the fact that he is eternal. And you talk about things that are hard for us to comprehend. Eternal means life without beginning or end. There was never a time when God did not exist. Seems pos uh, 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 difficult, rather, for us to comprehend this. God has no beginning and no end. God cannot be measured or controlled by time. He's the one that created time. How awesome this is. That passage of Scripture that was read this morning, God said to Moses when Moses said, Now when I go to the people of Israel... And tell them that they're going to come out of their Egyptian bondage and to go into a promised land. When I go lead them out, who shall I say sent me? And God said to him, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent you, has sent you to them. And of course, this name of God, the I am, is built on the Hebrew verb to be. He is self-existence. He always was, he always is, and he always will be. I remember, and you talk about people in the church fellowship who teach their children. In um, Awana Youth, not too many weeks ago, I asked, um, what is God's name? And one of the boys said, I am. Isn't that awesome? He was taught. The name of God from Exodus chapter 3. The other guys were astounded. Their mouths dropped open like that. Because God is eternal, 
We can trust him for the future. We, when we believe in Christ, we have eternal life because God's eternal. We can trust his counsel, what he instructs us to do. Revelation, I'm sorry, Psalm 33, 11 says, The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his making for all generations. In other words, when God says he's going to do something, he does it. Quickly, a couple more. God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's almighty. He has all power. In Revelation 19.6, it says the Lord God omnipotent reigns. What is so beautiful about the power of God is sometimes we need it. We really do. Uh, we, we need God's help and strength every day. But many of you know the verse in Isaiah chapter 40 where it says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Why? Because we get strength from the Lord. And in that same passage it says, Isaiah 40, 29, it says, God gives power to the weak. And we could have a testimony time. How often have we felt weak? And God came through. And gave us power and strength. I still love Jeremiah 32:17, where he says, Ah, oh, Lord God, behold, you made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm, and there's nothing too hard for you. Boy, don't we need to remember that? There's nothing too hard for God? Absolutely nothing. And then, of course, the presence of the Lord. He's omnipresent. He's present right here with us today. And again, when Moses needed some uh, encouragement because God chose Moses to go lead two million people out of the land of uh, bondage in Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, I will certainly be with you. I will certainly be with you. And there are times in our lives as believers when um, I think, stop to think about it. The truth from the Word of God. That God is with us. It is amazing how he sustains us. And there are times when there's a lot of things you don't understand. And there's situations in which you find yourself. And um, perhaps the only thing that will encourage you. Is to know that the Lord is with you. And he indwells you in the person of the Holy Spirit. That is a great, great encouraging word for us. It's so comforting to know the presence of the Lord. It gives us stability. It gives us um, uh, eliminates a fear of dying. Uh, say it with me. Say it with me. Just one verse. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Oh, man. How encouraging. How vitally, beautifully encouraging that is lastly we need to remember that God loves us very much and Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says God demonstrates his love towards us in that while we were still sinning still sinners Christ died for us he's an awesome God he is an awesome God and I, I said this several weeks ago but if you want to stay encouraged in 2020 when you see things coming along, when you see people saying, oh, you can't tell the truth about this, you can't say this, one of the things that will encourage you the most is that you have a good understanding of your God 
and how much he loves you. And he proved his love for you by allowing his son to go to the cross. The psalmist said this, How precious are your thoughts to me, O God. Psalm 139, verse 17. And as we come to the table this morning, we come to the table and we remind ourselves that we are not forgotten by God. You may have bad days. You may have days where you have pain. You may have days where you have things you don't understand. You may have responsibilities laid on you big time. And you say, where will I get the help for this? Your God wants to help you. In fact, he's thinking about you. He loves you very much. Psalm 139:17. How precious are you and your thoughts to me, O God. What a God we have. He loves us so very much. And as we come to this table this morning, we come to the table with thankfulness that Jesus demonstrated the love of the Father because he willingly went to the cross for you and for me. Let's bow our heads in prayer before we partake of communion.